Let's pray. Lord, give us yourself that we might um, be with you, might see you and your glory this morning. Amen. So I'd like to suggest something a little different with this passage. When I read stories like this in the Gospels, I, I tend to sort of default to imagining myself sort of a person in the crowd, right? I, I don't mean I'm intentionally imagining my way into the story. That's a good thing to do. But I mean, just, you know, you hear it, and I'm just sort of one of the people in the crowd, and I'm watching Jesus up there doing this thing, and then there's this other guy, right? And I'm just sort of walking through all that. What if, for a few seconds, you imagine yourself as the man with the unclean spirit? I don't mean, don't go deep in like, oh, I've got this and all that. I mean, just imagine that interaction happening. Just real quick. They went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. What I'm after in asking you to imagine yourself as that person is how did that person experience Jesus' authority? Jesus' authority is a big theme of this passage. How did that person experience Jesus' authority? I want to say if we could come to appreciate and to understand and to see Jesus' authority the same way that he experienced it, then we would be seeing it well. We'd be seeing it for what it is meant for. In that case, how would we feel about it? How would we feel about Jesus having authority if we were that person? How would you feel? Glad, you'd rejoice. You'd have wonder, you'd be tingly, but I had no idea there was anybody who could get me out of this, right? It'd be, it'd be like a whole new life. You'd be walking around just like pumped up with Zwad of Eve. I'm just so happy just to be alive. Now, I'm not trying to make any of you feel bad, right? When the preacher does this, I know how that goes too. You're sitting there going, well, I don't feel that way this morning. Like, am I missing it? I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is we need to not so much rehabilitate Jesus' authority as rehabilitate our understanding of his authority and what it means. What if Jesus would rather use his authority for you than on you? Right? Maybe authority is not your favorite word. Maybe it's not a word you've had happy interactions with. That happens. I've been on that end of the stick. Maybe church is the place where authority has been the least happy of all for you. That, unfortunately, happens as well. For that person that day, whatever his baggage with authority was, it changed that day because he saw a different way of bearing authority. It isn't only true for that man, right? 
They went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and he taught. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one having authority. All he's doing is teaching, and he's already bearing authority and showing it and it's showing forth. And they were amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this, a new teaching with authority? What was that part? What did that feel like? I mean, it's the same Jesus, isn't it? It's the same Jesus who taught, and they said, that's different, as the one who said, get out of the man and leave him alone. It's the same authority. On the surface level, I think it's pretty simple. On the surface level, the scribes who they were used to hearing were were just dealing in footnotes. You know, they're just reading commentaries on commentaries on commentaries. Well, you know, Rabbi so-and-so said this about this passage, and we don't really know, but, you know, Rabbi so-and-so said this other thing over here. And, I mean, that, that happens today too, right? And, and no, the guy who's speaking or the person who's speaking doesn't really own anything. They're just sort of walking you through a million different things that have been said about it. It's, and it's not direct. It doesn't live Like, it's not an encounter with God. It's an encounter with what a bunch of people have said about this thing. It's different. But Jesus did have communication with God. I know you know that it wasn't that he was an automaton. He's not on remote control. And I had written in my notes, I'd written in my notes, I'd written, it's not like he had an earpiece in. Do this, do this. But then I thought, on the other hand, it kind of was actually in a natural, not an earpiece, but an internal, right? Because he was completely in sync with the Father. And he had the Holy Spirit without limit. And I don't know, I've had moments where God's whispered in the internal ear of my brain, do this, do that, hey, look at that. Don't go over there, you know? I think a lot of people have had those moments. Little moments. Maybe sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes we do. So, okay, but it's not an automaton earpiece, you know? It's not like he's in a trance and God's saying, move this. You know, it's a natural thing. He, Jesus speaks directly with authority about God because he has communion with God. We're told that he would get up early and go out into the wild places where nobody could bother him and he would pray and be with God, the Father. We're told that he would regularly go on the Sabbath into the synagogue and that he would be with the people there with God. So his authority for teaching came from those things. In his case, his authority for teaching also came from a deeper place even than that. His walking with God is part of this. He is He is the author. It's his world. It's his story. Authority and author are the same root word. It's his world. It's his story. And so he has come back to claim his own. He's teaching with authority. The unclean spirit says, oops, this is different. And so then the unclean spirit says something very telling to Jesus. He uses an idiom. We've talked about this every time we hit it, we talk about it. He used an idiom that's used in the Old Testament for besiegement. 
You've heard me say this before. In the New Testament, that besiegement happens between Jesus and the unclean spiritual realm. In the Old Testament, it's a besiegement idiom. One army comes up to a town they want to take. The people inside the town they want to take, they send their you know, number two to the king out. He stands on the wall above the gate in the official spot, and he pronounces, what is it between us and you that you have come here? The demons say exactly that to Jesus. It happens, I don't know, five or six, seven times in the Gospels. And the reason they are saying that is because it's Jesus' world. And he's come to take it back. And he's besieging them. And they've been in charge. And they're not anymore. And they don't like it. So... What about Jesus' authority? Here's what I'd love to know about this story. Here's why I'd love to go back and be able to be in the room. I'd love to know, did Jesus yell? What do you think? You think he didn't yell? Okay, how many not yellers do we have? Wow. How many yellers do we have? How many in the middle? Come on. That's cheating. You know that's the answer. So, okay. I was a committed not yeller until I read The Lord of the Rings, which I read relatively late in life. And you know that moment between Gandalf and the Balrog? In, at least in the movie, right? You shall not pass. What if Jesus did that? <laughs> Would that be okay then? I got one no over here. Look at two no's. This is a calm household, I think. <laughs> Do we have any yeses for that? We got a bunch of yeses, right? I don't know. Wouldn't you love to know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that probably Dr. Brent is on to something. Obviously, no one knows. Don't get mad at me about this. I had, I had the opportunity for a year when I was living in the, inside the D.C. Beltway. I had the opportunity to lead a a Bible study at the Georgetown Law School. And I was riding back across the river one day with one of the guys in the thing. And he, w- he went to the thing I was pastoring as, as well. And he was relatively new. And he said, hey, I found out something this week. I said, yeah, what? He said, I found out there are some people who get mad at you for your sermons. And I was like, oh, you learned that, did you? And he said, uh, he said, yeah. And he said, I think I know what's going on. I said, oh, great, a fresh person. Let's hear it, right? Bring it on. He said, well, in, in law, there's an old thing. It's like, if the law is on your side, pound the law. If the facts are on your side, the evidence, pound the evidence. If neither the law nor the evidence is on your side, pound the table. <laughs> and he said, you never pound the table. I was like, dude, I would never pound the table in that way. Because the point of this is not what I think or whatever. The point is, what does the text tell us? Who is Jesus? What's going on here? That's the thing. So I don't know. I'm going to say firm, loud, strong voice, very possibly. Out of control yelling, no. Pounding the table, no. Right? The law is on Jesus' side. He owns the thing. It's his world. The evidence is on his side. He makes people whole. The demon makes people messed up. 
He doesn't need to pound the table. So I don't know exactly what his tone of voice was, but he doesn't have to pound the table. And here's the thing. In the way that Mark tells the story, who does do the yelling? Who does the yelling? The demon does the yelling. Just when there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, he cried out. Jesus said, be silent and come out. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. Jesus has authority in both tones. If he's teaching, he's got obvious authority. If he's telling the demon to come out, certainly at least a tone difference, right? He's got obvious authority. It might be that Jesus' authority is the most single definitive aspect of his work in ministry. Certainly, when you encounter it in the Gospels, it's distinctive and a big deal. Let's wrap it up. Two things. One is this. I want to say that we would be blessed if we were able to recover a rejoicing in Jesus' authority. If we are able to move from Jesus wants to use his authority on me to Jesus wants to use his authority for me, if we can make that move in our own hearts, we will be blessed. Amen? If we can become that person who is so glad that Jesus had and has authority, we will be blessed. I also want to say, yeah, I get it. This won't come easily. It, it's not a natural thing. It takes some real work to make that move, especially depending on what we have experienced. But I think if we are able to make that move, then we also may be able to, in a more healthy way, engage with these kinds of spiritual realities. They're commonplace in the New Testament. I'm not, as you know, a super emotionally expressive person. So get me in a charismatic thing. I am not all that comfortable, even though I believe in the Holy Spirit. But that's not all of it. It's also that so often in our culture, for whatever reason, when we encounter super Holy Spirit things, we do encounter an implicit or explicit theology that spirit and nature and creation are against each other. Embodiment, not sure about that. God healing and redeeming his creation. Nah. The whole rapture thing, inheritance that we, so many of us, live with and have praise the Lord, moved on from. But it's still been the water we've swum in. Jesus does not want to liberate you from createdness. He wants to bring the whole of who we are into a renewed, made whole, made right, glory-filled, glowing createdness. Our resurrection bodies will be us. They'll be different in ways that we don't know. They'll be the same in ways that we appreciate too. The vision, as you know, is of a new creation. Jesus is not liberating this person from createdness. He's liberating him to be able to live wonderfully into his creativeness. 
Make sense? So we started out imagining what if we were the person with the unclean spirit? So let's just, let's just go back there to wrap it up. Unclean spirit. This is, we talk a lot about how in the Greek language, the word perfect doesn't mean all uptight and perfect. It means complete. This is sort of kind of like that. Unclean has a wide range of possible meaning. It can literally just mean dirty, like innocently dirty. I've been out in the woods. I've been in the garden. I am dirty. It can just be that. It can also move from there all the way over to seriously intending evil, right? Like intending evil and, and a lot of stuff in between. So I want to say there's an aspect here where maybe, and maybe especially around the whole issue of authority, maybe there's a blocker for you of moving into joy with God. And maybe that blocker is very understandable. Just these things have happened, they've been bad, right? Sort of organic, psychological, normal, human, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe they are directly spiritual and influenced by some kind of spirit that's in the way, messing with you. I don't know. I don't know where the lines are. There's some folks who say if you have enough of the natural stuff, it makes a space that a spirit can come in and get in and make it worse for you. This much is clear. Two things are clear. One of them is, Jesus is not stigmatizing the, this man in any way. Amen? He's not saying it's the man's fault. He does nothing to imply that it's the man's fault. He simply liberates the man. So that's one thing that's clear. The second thing that's clear is, he liberates the man. He has the authority to do that. So, Let's just take a moment and just imagine you are that person. And at this time, you can get personalized a little more. Imagine you're that person and whatever it is that you feel like blocks you from rejoicing in Jesus' authority, just name it to, to the Lord and let him speak to you. And then I'll pronounce a blessing in a couple of minutes. We'll keep silence for a minute or two. I just invite you into that. Just share with the Lord whatever's on your heart and mind about this right now.